I wish I could have brought my wife. Um, actually, two weeks after we said that, we found out she's pregnant <laughs> again. So number five's on the way, so she's at home throwing up. And, uh, but this, uh, just an amazing, amazing, amazing woman of God. I mean, we have gone through so much together. She, uh, the, the faith of that woman. I, I remember coming back from Africa one time and just being so floored by what I saw out there that I looked at my wife, I said, I, I can't live in this house anymore. Let's, and, and the next day, for her, she didn't even go to Africa with me. I'm like, no, no, you don't, we, we're not moving until you go to Africa. She goes, no, I don't need to go. I trust you. And the next day, we're looking at trailer parks. It, this is the type of woman that I'm married to, that type of faith that just says, I just want to hear those words, well done. And so now when this was happening and this stirring in me, you know when it happens, when you're just like, I'm too comfortable. I'm just too comfortable. Someone asked me, just even in the lobby earlier, they go, gosh, I've been tracking, I've been following you. Why would you leave? Everything is going so well right now. And I go, that's why. <laughs> that's it. You know, it's when I read in Scripture, it's when we, when we step out in faith. Those are the times when we experience the Holy Spirit. Every time in my life when I've gone and I've taken a risk and it, because I felt a pulling by God, that's when I experienced Him. It wasn't when I was comfortable. I mean, when do we experience the Holy Spirit? That Jesus said, it's when you're put in front of authorities. When you're put in front of authorities, you have no idea what you're going to say. You don't have an answer. Don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit will come through for you. I mean, I, he comforts us during those times of suffering during those times of sacrifice, during those times when we're, we're just not sure what's going to happen next. I mean, let me ask you a simple question. Why would we need the comforter if we're comfortable? Right? It's as we step out, as we step out in faith and we experience God. You, you know, just earlier I was looking at that, that passage in, 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 uh, in, in 1 Kings 18. We love that passage. That's Elijah, right? Elijah on, the Mount, uh, on Mount Carmel when, when, when uh, he's got the prophets of Baal. When he has 450 prophets of Baal. Don't you love that story? And, 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 and you know, the prophets of Baal are dancing around all day long, cutting themselves, you know, screaming, crying out to Baal, and nothing happens. I love that verse in Scripture where it says, and no one answered, no one paid attention. What a powerful word. But then Elijah, full of faith, goes, God of Abraham, Isaac, Israel, show them. Show these people that you're the real God, and fire comes down from heaven. I mean, you remember that? That's just an amazing, amazing To put yourself on the line, I mean, one person against 450 and saying, you know, but this is what my God said. And so God, show them who you are, and that fire comes down from heaven. And I love the response of what the, the prophets of Baal, it says the people, when the people saw it, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. I love that because here they were worshiping, singing to their God, and nothing happens. They're screaming. They're cutting themselves all day long. No answer. Then they see the power of God himself. And they go, okay, whatever God, Elijah, whatever God you worship, he's the real one. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. See, that's what I want. See, they didn't walk away going, wow, that was a great prayer, Elijah. That was a great sermon. 
Man, when the special music came on, that really killed me. No, they just walked away going, the Lord, he is God. They didn't talk about Elijah. They just said, whoever you worship, he's the real one. And I just want to experience that, don't you? Don't you want people to leave the church just going, okay, this, this Jesus that you got, he's, he's the real God. He's the real God. Everything I've ever worshipped, everything I've ever believed, it's, it's all false. What, what, what I experienced in that room, what I experienced with you, that was the real thing. See, that is what's supposed to attract people to our churches. It's when they walk away and go, okay, whatever that was, that was the real thing. Okay? Whatever I experienced is Jesus that I've rejected my whole life. He, he, he's real. He's real. That's what I want. I love that. For these prophets of Baal to go, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. That's their response. And then Elijah slaughters them, which I, I struggle with that one. Because I'm like, but doesn't that sound like but a deal's a deal. You know, so he slaughters them. And... Uh, but what an amazing, amazing story. See, I, I know, okay, look, we, we live in a time where I can get people in a building, okay? I can, get a, I can get people in a building if I just give the right messages, if I have the right music, if I have the right people on the stage. Let me just hire the best and we'll fill a room, okay? We don't need the Holy Spirit to fill a room. Okay, plenty of conferences can fill a room. I'm just not interested in that. I want to experience the Holy Spirit of God where people walk away and they don't talk about the people on the stage or the singing or or whatever else. Fine, let's let's be excellent. I want to be excellent in everything I do. I'm sitting there praying, God, help me to just be excellent as I present your word, as I share your truth. We need to be great at that, but at the end of the day, don't you just want people to go, okay, Wow, that, that was God. Because I can even get people to cry. I can get them to walk up an aisle. What I can't do is to get someone to say, you know what, I'm going to deny myself, pick up my cross and follow him, and then actually do it. What I can't do is get someone to say, you know what, I'm going to lose my life and really find it in Jesus. That is something the Holy Spirit does. And it's been a wonderful thing seeing that happen over and over and over again in the church. And now I just believe God's saying, okay, now you're getting comfortable again. Go do something that scares you. Because I've always, I've always believed that, you, you know, it's, it's too often that we look back at all the times when we did something crazy. Too many people have, have, have been like Peter and taken a step out of the boat and freaked out and jumped right back in. And I, I just thought, I just want to experience, could it be possible that, 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 that we could just take another step and another step and another step every year of our lives? That as we get older, we live by even more faith rather than getting comfortable. But it's, it'd be very easy for me to just look back in the past now and go, oh, I remember when I did this. Ooh, and I'll write a book about it and retire. You guys, that's not the way I want to live my life. I want to be like Caleb, you know, when he's, when he's like 80 years old and just going, man, just, just let me at him. Let me at him. I can still do this. I can still do this thing. I've still got the same God. What I love, my favorite verse, when people ask, what's your favorite verse in the Bible? I say it's James 5.17. James 5.17 says, Elijah was a man just like us. 
Elijah was a man just like us. Do you really believe that verse? See, see, if I'm willing to bet, I'm willing to bet that a lot of you, a lot of you, probably most of you, look at someone like Elijah and you lift him up like this super Bible character, like, you know, some sort of Christian superhero that you could never match up to. But that's why I love that verse. He says, man, don't, you got to stop looking at these people in the Bible like there's something great about them. He was a man just like us. And for me to believe that, man, I get scared, I get nervous, I look at my own flesh, and I, and, and gosh, last week, last week, or I don't know when it was, I, yeah, maybe two weeks ago, I was in Chicago for this thing called uh, the, the Gospel Coalition. And it's all these theologians getting together, and, and, uh, and, and they were discussing the gospel and just making sure we just keep the gospel pure. And I was invited to this. And, uh, man, I've never felt so dumb in my life. I'm serious. I was one of the guys that had to present a paper. They asked three people to present a paper. Not the new guy, but they had me go with all these theologians that I've been reading for so many years, and I present this paper, and they just tear it apart, right? But the hardest thing is they're asking me questions, and I don't understand what they're asking me. <laughs> Sir, I'm being dead serious. One guy used the word. He says, I wish you would have been more asymptotic. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought about it. <laughs> what do you say to that? I wish you had been more asymptotic. Okay. You know, that, so I just, man, I leave certain environments and I go, man, I could never do that. I can't be like you. I can't. And we look in the flesh and absolutely, man, do I get insecure? Do I come here? And, and, and with some of my heroes in this room, some of the people that I've looked up to and go, man, what am I doing up there? But then that verse reminds me, I go, wait a second, wait a second. I, I, I got to stop that. Jack Hayford has nothing on me. He doesn't. He, he's a man just like me. Elijah has nothing on me. Do you believe that? See, I believe that. I believe that. I believe that's the type of faith we have to have. I really believe that. I really believe there could be a day that God calls me to call fire down from heaven. I seriously, we, we've got to stop. I mean, we've got to stop looking at Moses and go, ooh, Moses. He's a man. David, that, that's why I love that verse. He's got nothing. He's a, he's a man just like us. But you've got to believe that in your heart. I, I want to take you to a passage that, that while James 5.17 is probably my favorite verse in the Bible, probably my favorite passage in the Bible is Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1 came into my life at a time when I, I've read it before, but I, you know how those, those times you, you read a passage of scripture and just opens your eyes? It, it, was, it was years ago, it was one of these times where I just said, I got to get away. You ever just say, I got to get away from all people? You, you know, I mean, I love my church. I, I really do love my church. I, I, I dearly love 90% of them. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> You, you know what I'm talking about. You guys know what I'm talking about. Okay, and there's always that person where you go, what part of the body could you be, you know? 
offer you an appendix, you know? You have no real function, but you could blow up and kill us all, you know? It's, it's just what, what in the world, right? And I'm getting there, I'm, I'm starting to love more, but it was at one of those times where I said, you know, I just gotta get away. I gotta just get alone with the Lord, and I just went up in the mountains, and I just said, you know, and, and another thing was I said, you know, I, I, I say things. We as Christians, we say a lot of things. And I said, you know what, I, I love the Lord more than anyone, and, and it was like the Lord speaking to me saying, well, if that's true, how come you never get alone on vacation with me? Every year you're alone with your wife for a week or so, or you know, you'll get each of your four kids, you know, you'll get alone with them, and you go, what, what about me? And I thought, wow, let me go on a vacation just with God. I just longed for it, I just desired it. And uh, I just said, you know, let me just go up in the woods and see how long I last, you know, just God and my Bible. And, and, uh, and I went four days without seeing, an, I saw one human being, I saw one uh, hiker, and I, I like, ran the other way. So I just wanted to be alone, just God and I, and let's just, let's just talk. And I remember the first day, you know, just did one of those open the Bible, see where it falls things. And uh, Jeremiah chapter one, I just remember sitting there by this river and reading this, and it so floored me that I stayed in that passage for the rest of the four days. Um, it was so powerful for me. It was that, it was that verse, verse five. Verse four says, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. See, when I read that verse, I, I thought, wait a second, something's gotta be wrong there. Wait, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. I'd never read that. I, I'd never focused on that before. I, I know I've read it in passing, but I'm like, wait, so before I was born, before you made me, you knew me? What does that mean? And, and I started to think, wait, God, how can you know me before you made me? And is this true of me, or was this just Jeremiah? Because he was your prophet. And then I thought, no. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God determined beforehand that we should walk in them. Wait, so it's all of us? Like I was created and you knew what you wanted me to do beforehand? See, well, what this passage shows me is God says to Jeremiah, do you understand that I knew you before I made you? I knew what I was making. I knew you were gonna be a prophet to the nations before you came out of the womb. I made you for that, I designed you for that. That's an amazing thought. That, that means that God, God, God thought, it's, it's like the stool that's up here. It's not like the stool just, just showed up one day. You know, and someone said, hey, what should we do with that thing? I don't know, let's sit on it. No, someone thought ahead of time. Someone thought, you know, before they made it, they knew what they were making. They go, you know, I'm gonna make this stool. I'm gonna use the metal, make that little circle thing, the four legs. Ooh, I want it to spin, so I'm gonna put a little swivel on it because the world needs swiveling stools. And so they thought ahead of time, that's what we need, so I'm gonna make it. And, and the thought that that's what, that's what God did with Jeremiah? And that's what God did with me? Like he thought beforehand 
beforehand. He goes, no, no, I need someone to go to the Foursquare conference. I, I, I want, do, do you believe that God wanted me here? And, and so he made me for that, and that, that this is not something I should be afraid of, but it's something I was created to do. And he knew that beforehand, so he makes a person for the task. See, just like someone thought ahead and made this, that, that's an incredible thought. See, that, that means that, that I'm, I'm not an accident. That God thought through with all of my weaknesses, all of my issues, everything else. He goes, no, I designed you. There's something you can do that no one else can do. I made you for that. That's huge to me. That means God didn't look down after I was born and go, hmm, Chinese baby four billion and one. <laughs> what do I do with this one? No, no, it's... It's not that. It's not this after the fact. But he goes, no, I'm going to design him for this. And you guys, maybe this means more to me. Because when I look in that passage, it says, before you even came out of your mother's womb, I, I declared you, you were going to be a prophet. I determined that. Maybe this means more to me. Because my mom died while she was giving birth to me. And so I'm looking at this passage, and I'm going, so God, you knew it. You knew she was going to die. You determined that. You knew that ahead of time. But you wanted me on the earth. Like this was all in your design. Like, like there was something that, that I, I, because my mother was encouraged to, to abort me. My, my, my mother was, was told there's going to be some complications. But she says, I'll let God choose. And God chose. And he wanted me on this earth because there was something I was supposed to do. You guys, this changes everything. I wake up in the morning now, not focused on my insecurities. I, I go, no, I was created by you for a reason, for a purpose. And not only that, but Elijah has nothing on me. Moses has nothing. If, if anything, I could argue biblically that I have something on them because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And, but do I live with that type of confidence? That's why this, this passage was massive in my life. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Do you still believe that about yourself? Do you wake up in the morning thinking about how God designed you for a task? And he knew that before you even made you. And he goes on, he says, then, so, so what do you think Jeremiah's response would be? I mean, wouldn't you think Jeremiah just heard from God and said, you know, I made you for a purpose, you're going to be this prophet. You would think Jeremiah would go, wow, God spoke, he made me for this, he thought through how he made me, I was declared to be a prophet. But his response was, ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. He says, I, I can't talk, I'm just a kid. Isn't that crazy? How God Almighty tells you, look, I made you for this. I declared this. I am God. I designed you for this. Before you came out of your mother's womb, I said you would accomplish this. And his response is, I don't think I can do it. That's pretty typical, isn't it? Doesn't that sound like us? Because some of you right now in your heads, in your minds, you're going, yeah, that's right. No, I do believe that God made me. I do believe that, that this was for a purpose. I do know that there's a purpose for me on the earth because God doesn't mess up. 
And you'll know that you'll walk out these doors and you'll start looking at all the things wrong with yourself. Well, I'm not as smart as this guy. I can't sing like her. I can't lead worship like I can't teach like him. I can't. You, you know, you just start looking at all these things. And that's exactly what he says. And God's answer is, do not say I'm only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. God's response is, don't say you're just a youth. It's the same thing. Remember when, when he called Moses? And what was Moses' response? Uh, I, 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 he starts stuttering. He goes, I, I can't speak. I can't speak. I can't do it. And remember God's response to Moses. Do you remember what he says? He looks at Moses and he says, who made your mouth? I love that. Don't miss that. See, because a lot of times when we put ourselves down, like, oh, my brain doesn't work real well. Well, my mouth doesn't really work well. I don't have a very good voice. I don't think, okay, you're not being humble at that moment when you, when you degrade yourself and talk about all the things you can't do. You would be humble if you created yourself. But since you didn't create yourself and someone else made you, when you say your mouth doesn't work right, who are you putting down? You're not putting yourself down. You're putting the creator down. Saying, God, you screwed up when you made my mouth because it stutters. God says, wait, who made your mouth? Are you saying I made a mistake? Are you saying I failed when I made your brain that doesn't work just right? But to take all of those insecurities and say, no, God, you made me. I'm fearfully, I'm wonderfully made. And so I'm going to accomplish whatever you've created me to do. I tell you, this passage gave me so much confidence. He says, you can go. You can say everything you need to say to whoever you need to say it to. In fact, you go out in faith and the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. God says, I'll feed you the words. I'll take care of it. My, when, when I set something in motion, it doesn't stop. And, and, and if that doesn't work, later on in, in that same passage, God says to them in, in verse 17, he says, but you dress yourself for work and arise to say to them everything I commanded you. Do not be terrified by them, lest I terrify you before them. I love that verse. He says, if you're going to be afraid of them, he goes, I'll give you something to be afraid of. Okay? So at that point, he doesn't really have a choice. And he just says, Jeremiah, you just go, because I made you for this. I'm going to give you the words to say this, and there's no backing down. Don't be afraid of them. And then at the end, in verse 18, he says, I, behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They'll fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. He says to Jeremiah, everyone's going to be against you, but don't worry about it. He, he says, look, the kings are going to hate you. That's the, the, the authorities, the, the, the kings of Judah, it's officials, it's priests. He goes, the city officials, they'll, they'll all be against you. The priests, the other religious leaders, all the other pastors, they'll be against you. And then he goes, and the people, just in case I left anyone out, they're all going to be against you. He goes, but don't be afraid because I'm with you. And I always look at that pastor and go, God, could I do that? Could I do that? Could, I, could you really drop me in a city where everyone was against me? And I'd go, go ahead. 
my God's with me, to have this God and I mentality, to stand alone and say, you know what? The Lord's with me. He made me for this. He has filled me with his spirit to accomplish this. And so you can all be against me because my God is with me, to have that type of security and assurance. Man, are there times when I think, what in the world have I just done? I just walked away from something that was very beautiful that God did, and am I sure he's going to come through again? Man, some of those thoughts come through my mind, like, what did you just do? What are you stepping into? But there's something about that... I didn't have peace when I was too comfortable. You know, as believers, we, we, we're more, we, we feel more peace when we're in danger. Haven't there been those times when you've been scared and you just go, ah, but I sensed God. Those times, whether it was overseas or wherever, you just walked out and, and as terrified as you were, you sensed the presence of God and you just felt this peace that you don't feel in comfort. A couple years ago, I was in uh, Korea, I was in Seoul, and, uh, and I had the, just an incredible honor of having dinner with this guy, this guy there in Seoul. He was, a, he was remember about three, four years ago, those Korean missionaries that were abducted by the Taliban in Afghanistan, and they started killing them one by one? This was one of the guys. And we're having dinner, and he's explaining the situation to me, what it was like. And he says the first day, I, I believe he said there were 23 of them to start. And they confiscated everything, but one of the gals still had a Bible on her. And so she ripped it into 23 pieces and snuck a piece to each person. So they said, because the Taliban were going to separate them and, and, and isolate them so they couldn't, you know, you know figure anything out together. And uh, they, they said, you know, this way, if you're ever alone, just grab a piece of the scripture when no one's looking and be encouraged by it. Then he says, one at a time, all 23 of them, one at a time, surrendered their lives to Jesus and said, Lord, if you would rather me die for you, then so be it. Whatever will bring you more glory. And then the pastor says to them, he says, I've spoken to them. I've spoken to the Taliban. They're going to begin killing us. And I said, when you kill, you must kill me first because I am their pastor. Then this guy I was having dinner with said he spoke up at that time and said, no. He says, I too am a pastor and I am your elder. I die first. And then the other pastor speaks up and he says, no, you have not been ordained. I have been ordained. It's true. He goes, I die first. And sure enough, that other pastor died first. And they killed him, threw his body out, killed another person, threw the body out. And then somehow they got rescued. We're still not sure all the details of how those guys, you remember that? It was just kind of weird. Suddenly, wait, they're free now, what happened? Regardless of what happened, he says the amazing thing, he said at that time, he goes, we've been back to Seoul for about a year and a half now. And he says, one by one, all of the people that went on that trip with me, They've come to me and they'd say, Pastor, don't you wish we were still there? Don't you wish we were still there in Afghanistan? They, they said, because, they, you know, they, they said, when I was in that pit and I didn't know what was going to happen to me, I was so close to Jesus. 
I, I felt an intimacy with him that I've never felt before. And now that we're back, now that we're back in safety, I've tried to fast, I've tried to pray, and I just, it's not the same. I, I wish I could be back there. And he says, they all think this way. I thought, man, are you kidding me? You'd rather be in a pit right now, surrounded by Taliban, wondering what they're going to do to you next because you experience the presence of Jesus. Is the presence of Jesus that precious that you would go for that? That's an amazing thought. Don't you wish we were still there? Because there's something about those times. And I thought, yeah, different missionary stories I've read. It's at the times a danger that somehow was like God's presence was with them. Then I thought, that's the same as Stephen. You know, remember the story of Stephen. When Stephen is about to get stoned for sharing that gospel message, suddenly they're about to throw rocks at him, and he looks and he goes, I can see Jesus right now. No way. I see Jesus. He's right there at the right hand of God. Go ahead and throw your rocks because God is with me, and they stone him to death. It's the same as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They throw him in the fire, and they go, wait, who's that fourth person? There was something about the presence of God in the midst of the fire, in the midst of the danger that they didn't get in the midst of comfort. And I'm not saying that we just go and try to to get hurt or we go and try to suffer. I'm just saying let's just stop avoiding it. And we look for the problems. We look for where where the issues are, where, where, where it may be dangerous, but there's tremendous needs there. I'm not saying I heard a voice from heaven say, Francis, go into the inner city. I'm just saying as I read the scriptures and and, and I just started thinking, wait, we've got all these pastors in this area. It's very comfortable here. And then there's millions of people here. Why wouldn't I go there to the need? Well, because I'm a little scared. And going, well, then I got to do that. I got to do this. I shouldn't be afraid of anything. I'm immortal. What are they going to do to me? Kill me. Ooh. I have to go to heaven. You know, it's just this whole idea of, man, well, we got to live this. Here, here's, here's, let me close with this. I'm sorry, I'm kind of all over the place tonight, but in 1 John 2, 6, it says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way as he walked. Whoever abides in Jesus should walk as Jesus walked. And, and, and we do a weird thing in church. We'll take verses and we'll memorize them, but we, we won't really actually do it a lot of times. It's weird. You know, when we were kids, you know how we played follow the leader? And they don't play it now because there's no app on the iPhone to play it. But, but you remember when we used to play outside and, and uh, you know, one guy would, you know, flap his wings and so you do the same thing. It's so crazy, but in the church we twisted things around and follow Jesus is different than follow the leader. Because with follow Jesus, you just have to do something in your heart that no one sees. Oh yeah, I'm flapping my wings in my heart. <laughs> you know, as you're sitting on a lounge chair, yeah, oh yeah, I'm following the it, it's, it's It's, you know, we all played Simon Says, right? Simon Says, pat your head. That's all you do. Jesus said it's a totally different game. If Jesus says, pat your head, you just memorize it. <laughs> Jesus says, go, you know, into all the world, make disciples of all nations, you get that memorized. Yes, it doesn't make sense. 
I mean, when I tell my, give my daughter a command, you know, like, like my, my, my 14-year-old, I go, hey, Rachel, your room's a mess. Go, go clean it. She doesn't come back to me half an hour later and go, Dad, I memorized what you said. <laughs> listen, 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 Rachel, your room's a mess. Go clean it. I'm like, oh, honey, come over here. That's awesome. No, no, Dad, 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 listen, listen. I can say clean your room in Greek now. In fact, not only that, not only that, but my friends and I, they're coming over, we're going to have a study on what it would look like if we cleaned my room. Five-week study on how to clean my room. No, that, that doesn't work for me. So why do I think it's going to work before the judge? Why do I think God's going to say, oh, Francis, good job, you memorized that one. Shut up, you know Greek? You know, it... He's going to say, I didn't give you my commands to memorize them. I gave you my commands to go do them, to go and to be like Jesus. Anyone who claims to know him must walk as Jesus walked. Here, here's the last, last thought. You know, I, I, I had this guy speak at my church one time. He was, a, he was one of those guys that went overseas to a Papua New Guinea, you know, learned a, a, the language of this tribe. They had all four kids out there, raised their kids in the jungle, led the tribe to the Lord, translated the New Testament into their language for the very first time, you know, after 20-something years. And it's just one of those beautiful stories. And he shares, and, he, and, and at the end he says, you know what, I owe it all to my youth pastor, Vaughn. I thought, wow, that's really cool his youth pastor. He was going to be a professional surfer, and when his youth pastor spoke, he changed his mind. He said, no, I'm going to the nations. I'm going to give my life up. The next week, I had another guy speak at my church who was with World Vision telling us to sponsor kids. And when he was at the end of his message, he goes, you know what? The reason why I do this today is because of my youth pastor, Vaughn. I thought, wow. And I asked him after, I go, are you in the same, same Vaughn as last week we had this guy? He goes, oh yeah, he was in my group. Like, That's amazing. Next week, I have a guy from the Union Rescue Mission come and speak, and he's talking about the inner city and caring for those in there. And he didn't mention Vaughn. But I, I talked to him. I talked to him afterwards. I go, Dan, wasn't it weird that the last two weeks they mentioned Vaughn? And he looks at me, he goes, I know Vaughn. And he said, I went with Vaughn one time. He, he works in uh, Tijuana, Mexico. He, he's a pastor in San Diego, but he takes him down over the border, and, and he cares for the poor. He goes to these dumps where no one wants to go, and he goes, it was weird. I was walking with him, and, and, and kids would just run up to him and, and grab him, and he would have food for them. He'd clean them up, wipe them. They'd be all dirty, and he would just hug them. He didn't care. You know, every village we went to, it just seemed like all the people would flock to him. And, and here's what Dan said. He goes, Francis, it was eerie. It was so strange. He goes, because the whole time I was walking with him, I thought to myself, if Jesus was on the earth, this is what it would feel like to walk with him. And he says, the day I spent with Vaughn was the closest thing I've ever experienced to walking with Jesus. I'll never forget those words because it was at that moment I thought, man, that's an amazing compliment to say to someone, but my second thought was, would anyone say that about me? Would anyone say the day I spent with Francis, it was weird, I felt like I was walking with Jesus. And that hour I was with him, and it was like I was walking with Jesus. He just loved everyone. Everyone he came up to, he just served them however he could. He just kept loving, loving, loving. 
You see, in America, you don't have to act like Jesus to be a successful pastor. I'm proof of that. You just have to be able to speak well, communicate well. You can be a good musician, and, and you'll be a, a famous Christian musician. It has nothing to do with being like Jesus. But at the end of the day, we've got to change our idea of success. And what does it mean to be successful? Success is, man, here's success. is for one day someone to say, being with you, it felt like walking with Jesus. That's my goal in life. That's my desire in life. And if your desire is anything else, then we're missing it. How in the world did we get here where we have people call themselves Christians and act nothing like Jesus? And we just say these weird things, oh, but they are in their heart. And they've memorized so much and they know so much. It's not what scripture says. It says when we know him, we'll, we'll walk like him. We'll live like him. And people will hang out with us and go, wow, you, you're acting just like that Jesus. And this is what it would have felt like to walk with him. So what's the next step in my journey? I have no idea. I don't know what I'm going to do. But I'm, I'm very confident of who, what I want to be and what I want to be like. And what form that takes, it really doesn't matter. I just want that. You know, and I want my life to be on a trajectory like that.